Do you think that critical illness products have become too complicated? It's an opinion I'm hearing more often, but not everyone agrees. However, there is one advisor who has created a successful business out of this perceived complexity. In this episode of the Marketing Protection and Finance podcast, I talk to the creator of CI Expert. Hi, it's Roger Edwards here and welcome to the Empath Podcast. This is the podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. You can find the notes that go with the show at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath. In the meantime, let's get on with the show and prepare to be inspired. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. He's a financial advisor I've known for many, many years, Alan Lakey of Highclere Financial Services. Alan's been an advisor since February 1978, but he's specialised in critical illness since 1991. He's won more awards in the financial services industry than I have time to read out, but these include the Unbiased Protection Advisor of the Year for 2013 and 2014. A little known fact about Alan is that he is the author of a book called Growing Old Disgracefully, which is the biography of seminal rock band The Pretty Things. He's also the producer of a current rock band, The Moist Smear. He started an online project called CI Expert in March 2012, and this has taken off and been a huge success. So, Alan, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Thank you, Roger. How are you today? I'm hot, bothered and tired. Um, most days I'm just tired, so being hot and bothered is a bit of a... Hot and bothered is adrenaline. We want adrenaline on the Empath podcast because we want inspiration. Before we get into our main discussion, Alan, let's find out a little bit more about you. Tell everybody a little bit about your background so that we can get to know you and find out what makes you tick. Like many people, I kind of fell into the financial services industry way back in 1978 when a friend of mine who was working for Noble Lounds and had previously worked for an industrial life office suggested to me that this was something I might well be suited for. kind of wandered into it with no great expectation, but I found it suited me very well because being somewhat analytical, I was able to calculate things and uh, observe and essentially turn my job into something that I wanted rather than follow the requisites of the job. I started working for a company called United Friendly, which was a door-to-door collection company, collecting pounds per week from people who didn't have bank accounts or couldn't save in any other method. And then after 18 months, I applied for a job with the AA Insurance Services and became the regional insurance manager covering Bedfordshire, Essex and uh, various parts of North and East London. My claim to fame is that I'm the first person ever to be made redundant by the AA who, who had planned to go into the life insurance field and recruited me for that purpose. And then when we had one of the many recessions, they changed their mind, decided I was superfluous and uh, to their credit, didn't have to pay me anything but chucked a couple of grand at me, which was very handy because the day I was made redundant, I bought a new property. Then I joined a company called Provident Life, which then turned into Winterton Life 
two or three years later. And I was there for nearly five years, spent a brief period at Lincoln and General, and then was urged by a friend to join him as an independent financial advisor, which I did. And we were together five and a half years, and then I started Highclear back in May 1991. From then on, I've been doing the same thing, and obviously various other tangential bits and pieces at the same time, such as CI Expert, the book, and a few other bits and pieces. So once you've spent quite a few uh, years in different life insurance companies, once you became an IFA, that was the track that you decided to stay on? Yes, it was. The Like many people, I don't care to be told what to do. So rather than involve myself in an argument with someone who tells me he knows better or wants to set me a target, which is 10 times the previous year or, or some other, it's far easier to, to live or die by your own efforts, be self-employed, work out what you want to do, and then just follow the course that best suits you. As long as financially you can achieve that and you enjoy yourself, ultimately that's what counts. And, and I think it's the, the, the crux of what I want to, uh, to talk to you about today is effectively the CI expert model. And, and let's, let's move on and talk about that, Alan. And, and this is the part of the podcast where we talk about a business model or a new product launch or a new marketing campaign or simply a hot news story. And of course, I think that CI Expert is, a pr- is pretty much all of those. It, it was a new product a couple of years ago. You've been marketing it, and, and it was, it's a pretty hot news story all the time. I'm always seeing it referred to in articles in Financial Advisor and Money Marketing. Tell us about how you came up with the idea for CI Expert. Take us right back to the beginning to when the f- idea first came about, You know, when the light bulb went off. Talk us through how you came up with the idea. From about 1991, I focused my business where I was able to on critical illness insurance. I saw it as an essential component of protection and unlike income protection or even life insurance, it was something everyone could and should have. I was concerned over the years by the disparate wordings of the various plans. From about 1994 onwards, I kept and still do to this day a database of all the available plans, the wordings, the terms, conditions, etc. And I've used that over the years as a gauge for the most appropriate plan for clients. But it became readily apparent to me about 2006 that with a greater complexity, the additions of new conditions, the variations, the regular changes of wordings, um, not least because of the ABI model wordings which were brought in a few years earlier, not being a doctor, and not fully understanding the way that the condition wordings interrelated with the diagnoses or the operations being carried out, even though I considered myself an expert, to a greater extent, I was still guessing as to what was the most appropriate plan. And having looked at some of the databases, the best plans and the, the most advantageous wordings, the truth was there was nothing out there that actually allowed me make a decision. Every calculation for every client was effectively a a long-winded exercise looking at wordings and trading off the balance of one wording against another, three conditions here against two over there. And I decided about 2007 that I would, for my own benefit, actually undertake the necessary analysis to allow me to be sure that my recommendations were the most appropriate. It kind of grew from there, to be honest, Roger, because I started digging and 
once you dig below the surface, you find a, a rich seam of interest. And over about a three-year period, I realized that I'd accumulated a wealth of information, and I've turned it into my own kind of database project. And at that stage, the germ of the idea of CI Expert was actually kind of given to me by Martin Worth, who contacted me and suggested that the work I'd done would be useful for a booklet, which Fortis, his company at the time, would sponsor. And this would be given out with some magazine or other. And it became readily apparent to me that as soon as you print something, it's out of date and obsolete because there's so many changes constantly going on. So the only way forward, realistically, was to turn it into a website. Now, of course, the website can then react to change, but to keep on top of the website takes a lot of time and, of course, also money. What I decided that I would turn it into a website where advisors would subscribe and gain the necessary information to be able to compare one plan against another, not least a current plan against a historic plan. If I think back to my early involvement in the critical illness market, I guess I've always had that concern about the the use of medical terms in in the definitions. And obviously you can't avoid using medical terms in the definitions. But, you know, talking about things like cardiac enzymes and and ECG changes and and spread and growth of malignant cells, that, that is language that the consumer is really going to have difficulty understanding, and and, e- and even uh, you know an expert financial advisor is going to have a lot of trouble assimilating all that medical information when they aren't actually medical experts themselves. So your initial idea of putting this together as something to, to help yourself was was really quite fortuitous and and also almost like a snowball effect because you probably started off when there were X number of definitions, and then as the industry started competing against itself to introduce uh, ABI plus definitions and partial payments and, and variations on earlier definitions and new illnesses, y- your your job must have become even more complicated simply of virtue of, of having to keep up with everything that was going on. And to a certain extent, you've you've come in with this and solved a complex problem that the industry has created for itself. Yes, without a doubt. The last two or three years in particular, has not only seen a number of new entrants, but also, of course, a, a massive upsurge in the numbers of conditions, including partial payments and variations, one company paying out on neurological conditions before a certain age and so forth. So it's true to say that even the most specialised advisor is unable to devote such time to the analysis that makes it worthwhile for him to, to deal with clients. One of our subscribers actually put on Twitter that he's just taken three minutes to achieve with CI Expert what in three hours he previously did on a manual basis. And I can well understand that because I did exactly the same. I can actually see um, quite a lot of people might have decided just to let critical illness pass them by because it had become so complicated and therefore CI expert must have almost been a, you know, a, a ray of sunshine for them because all of a sudden you've given them a sort of path through the complexity. Yes, I, I do get lots of phone calls and emails from people, many of whom I've never spoken to before, who are thanking me for this and um, asking for even more detail and can I provide them with this and what's my view on that and it's clear that people who previously were scared to dip their toes into the water, and most particularly when looking at rebroking old plans, which is 
without doubt a minefield, these people are now using the system to make proper differentiations between the new and the old plans and do a better job for their clients. So I'm very pleased with the outcome and naturally so are the subscribers. And it must have been quite a, a difficult job, um, albeit that you'd spent many, many years compiling all of this information together. I imagine there must have been gaps in that information. So, so what challenges did you face getting this initiative off the ground and how did you overcome those challenges to make it work? It was very important that I got the insurers, certainly the advisor supporting companies on my side, because if they have decided not to assist me, not to provide historic plan information, not to promise to give me a heads up on any imminent changes, then our system couldn't really function in the way it should. So I'm very grateful to all the companies that have assisted in this way, and many companies who are no longer in the market, have also provided historic details for me. So this was one of the major problems. I then went into business with a client of mine who is a, an IT expert, and we've never looked back since. It's fascinating. And obviously, um, massive help to all, your, all the IFAs that sort of subscribe to you. But I do wonder, and, and I've always thought that, you know, you, you're, you're going to be able to continue to expand CI Expert for many, many years because I don't see an end to what I call the illness race. I think that in the advisor space, providers are going to continually add new conditions. They're going to continually revise the existing definitions and add more partial payments. So, the comparison work that you do is going to continue for as long as that's available. But what I do worry is that we are making the critical illness product more complicated. And even with your amazing comparison service, it's still too complicated ultimately for the consumer to understand. What you've done is you've given the advisor the ability to choose the best product, but how do we actually help the end customer understand this really rather complicated product now? Yes, it might surprise you, Roger, to know that the more complexity there is, the better it is for my business, of course. Mm. But I share exactly the same concerns as you do, and without a doubt, if we were to develop critical illness from today onwards with no historic baggage. It wouldn't or shouldn't look anything like it currently does. If somebody was kind enough to give me £20 million and say start a life company, design it yourself, design the definitions, design the plan, it would look nothing like any existing plan out there at all because there's certain common features of most of the definitions out there. If you look at Alzheimer's, motor neuron disease, multiple sclerosis, they all share a common theme to do with loss of motor function or some permanent neurological deficit. When you look at the heart conditions, we seem to worry ourselves over aortograft and bypass surgery, open heart surgery, yet they are essentially the same thing. So I think we make life extremely complex for ourselves. And if I was to design a plan today, it might have about eight definitions, but those definitions would probably be more comprehensive than today's 54 to 60 definitions. But more importantly, they wouldn't have a name like open heart surgery or, or something like that. The name that I would give would be to do with the outcome because it's the outcome we should be concerned with and not the name of the condition. I've always favoured that sort of approach, the, the outcome, the effect 
that the illness has on somebody as opposed to the actual cause. So presumably you've been talking to life insurance companies about this and hopefully got them to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Are we going to see the Alan Lakey version of Critical Illness Cover launched any time soon, do you think? I shouldn't think so, to be fair. I, I don't think anyone would entrust me to do something like that. Um, I've, I've got a reputation for doing things my own way, which wouldn't fit in with perhaps the uh, the money men. But I have spoken to a number of companies and told them how I would deal with this if I was them. And one or two have hinted to me that they've got ideas of a similar nature. Whether or not that ever comes to fruition, it would take a brave company to step away from the current design. I think that's the problem we have is that we're almost in a catch-22 situation is that most most people probably admit that the product is too complicated but on the other side of the coin they're not going to launch anything new or different because new and different doesn't compare favourably from a compliance point of view against something so well established. So unfortunately at the moment I don't see a way of breaking out of that uh, catch-22 situation. So going back to CI Expert, obviously it's well established in the marketplace now. You've got a lot of um, subscribers. Uh, it gets a lot of press coverage. So what, what's worked What's worked well and what's not worked so well? And, and how have you modified your approach as a result of the feedback that you've received from your customers? We do request feedback and we, we take it very, very seriously, whether it's the design of the site or whether it's the content. And there are certain themes that come through which, if we can, we try to react to. One of the constant themes is why Protect isn't on the site and we have to explain that the design of that particular plan is too difficult for us to incorporate into the site, partly because the definitions that they use and the, the wordings for the percentage payments that they make don't lend themselves to any methodology that is available today for me or anybody else to calculate. In other words, whilst we know how many people this year will have a heart attack and how many were first-time heart attacks and how many will be men or women and so forth, what we don't know are how many have a certain ejection fraction. And because of that, the proof plan cannot be incorporated into our site, much as I would like it. We are being asked continually to add new historic plans and the, the Scott Provident Pegasus plan. I was only asked this morning, could I add it in before the end of the year? Because one particular chap did, did a lot of that business back in the 90s and early 2000s. So we try and react where possible. We've also got plans ourselves for various improvements to the site which will occur by the start of September where we will introduce the option to have a level or decreasing plan. We will ask how many children the parent or parents have because that naturally will add value to the children's cover. We'll ask their ages. We'll also take into account um, a term of years and a joint life proposition, none of which the site currently offers. One of the things we tried to set out to do at the outset was to try to educate the typical advisor. Now, that sounds a little bit clever dickish, and I don't mean it in that way, but I think it's true to say the average advisor would probably look at a list of premiums, would use his viewpoint of a company's worth, and would select a company on that basis, which, in my view, is not the way to do it. So if by looking at our site, gaining knowledge from the, the various information we have there, including the copious claims statistics. If an advisor can reach a better decision by doing that, then we've achieved a worthwhile outcome in itself. 
That's fascinating, Alan. And now for the, the rewards of all your hard work and investment. Just just tell us about the results you've achieved since you launched the CI Expert. We're nowhere near our, our goal of gaining a, a massive foothold into the advisor industry. And that's no surprise because the one thing that we've not done and probably never will do is advertise. So unlike many other companies out there that will spend money advertising and do this, do that, we've not done that. We've relied on word of mouth and word of mouth, not just from advisors, but from insurance companies and so forth. And we've gained traction by, in many cases, networks approaching us and telling us that they've heard of us. Could we explain what we do and we give them a trial, they look at it and they then say, well, this is great, this solves a problem for us, and we take it from there. So in, in terms of aim, we, we don't have a market share aim at all, Roger. We, we, we've never said uh, that we want to have 4,000 subscribers or anything like that. We've got no particular plan, and that's partly because both me and my, my partner, Clive, run other businesses as well. So we're not totally reliant on CI Expert, even though it's grown exponentially over the past two years. I would imagine there will come a time at which we will probably find it's grown sufficiently large that we may have to take on even more staff than we've currently got. We are growing organically, enjoying it, and relishing the fact that it's taken off so nicely and people feel so pleased with the outcome. I still think it's uh, it's pretty incredible that an industry that let's face it I mean the critical illness market has been very successful uh, certainly in the 90s and the early 2000s I think it's probably plateaued a little bit in the in, in recent times but an industry that has created such a complicated product that one of its own distributors has had to create a solution to that complexity and as I've said before I, I can't see an end in the near future to the complexity of the critical illness product so hopefully any other IFAs out there who are listening to this podcast any networks any any nationals who feel that they need a very strong comparison engine for critical illness should have a look at the CI expert because what you've effectively done is created a database unsurpassed looking at every single critical illness definition on more or less every single plan that's ever been in the UK market and to me that's just an amazing work of data collection some would say almost geekery but to a certain extent the industry has to applaud you for doing it because they've created a, a product that is so complicated that it, it, it needed somebody outside of the uh, provider environment to to see a way through all of that smoke yes i mean to be fair john joseph did try something like this back about 14 years ago, and for whatever reason, his idea didn't take off. I suspect the issue with John was just timing. I think uh, technology moved on so quickly that uh, you were able to capitalise on the more up-to-date web technology. So that's been an incredible and insightful look into the business model for CI Expert. And, and let's just move on now and, and, and finish off. And, and what I like to do towards the end of the Empath podcast is just a quick fire round of business questions. Are you happy to go for that, Alan? By all means. Yeah. So one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, perhaps by waving that proverbial magic wand, what would that one change be that you would make? I would abolish the way that we are regulated because I think that 
whilst good intentions abound, regulation has done very little for consumers over the past 25 years. In fact, it's made life very difficult for them in as much as it stopped well-meaning advisors from marketing plans in a sensible manner. And there will be counter-arguments, of course, that it's also stopped cowboys and con men from operating, but there's other ways that you can stop cowboys and con men. So if you throw the baby out with the bathwater, then I think ultimately that comes down as not only negative, but the cost of regulation, which is passed on to the end user, is such that only the other day it was calculated to be 15% of advisors' outgoings which is a scary, scary thought. In my case, it's about 12%. But nonetheless, it's uh, a financial imposition, which is difficult to justify if looked at from uh, a distance without any, any political considerations or any other, any other baggage. And of course, you've written quite a lot on this subject. I've seen your, your thoughts in, uh, in the trade press. What is the one business model product or campaign that's caught your attention in the last year, even if it was from a competitor? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. Uh, do you know, in all truth, Roger, I haven't seen one. There's, we, we live in a, in a time and within an industry that tends to be very insular and very inside looking. And it's very rare, extremely rare, that something comes along that I look at and I think, wow, whether it's a piece of software, whether it's a new product, whether it's uh, a marketing technique, very little has excited me in the last few years. Sad, but true. Possibly it's the regulation happening again there. Perhaps people are scared by regulation and the regulation is stifling the creativity that might actually create that wow moment that might actually catch your attention. So given what you said about technology there, is there an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life as a business person? Me personally, no. I'm famed for being a bit of a Luddite when it comes to technology, which is a bit weird given that I operate CI Expert. I tend not to use phones to their full extent. In fact, I don't even know how to operate my phone, bar make a phone call. I'm not sure I can take a photo with it. I certainly have got no idea how the video works. And uh, various apps that run it, I never use. I'm not sure I ever want to. I, I tend to be, you could say boring, you could say focused, you could say um, head in the sand, you can describe it however you like. But I tend not to use technology the, the most exciting thing I've done in the past 18 months to two years is sign up to Box Nation. It's a dedicated uh, boxing channel on Sky. So that's the most exciting thing I've done in the technological world. <laughs> and finally, what's the best business book you've ever read? Tell us why you like it and what you took from it. The best business book I ever read was nothing to do with business. It was a book on grammar. And... Sad to say, I cannot recall the title, although I've got it somewhere in the house, hidden away, was, uh, if you like, a, a plaintive cry by the author for people to use sensible language. I despair sometimes of some of the groovy phrases that we use in this industry. Uh, and not just this industry, it's everywhere. But we, we tend to use it in any sales environment where people get carried away we hear about blue sky thinking and thinking outside the box and that water cooler moment and rubbish like that. <laughs> Management speak, jargon. Yeah, I heard a couple the other day, which, um, funny enough, I've mentioned in an article, which are just astonishing in their nonsense. The, the first was a sales manager told a friend of mine when he was discussing a, a sale that he was planning to make, 
he told him to turbocharge his presentation. The same guy later on, he told him to fill it with Red Bull. <laughs> and, and, of, and of course, he probably told his staff that they needed to go on a course so that they could upskill themselves. Absolutely, yes, brainstorm. Yes. Brainstorm. I wonder whether the book that you were reading was called Eats, Shoots and Leaves. Was that the one? No, it's not funny enough. No, I, I, was, I was thinking, trying to recall the title, I was thinking it wasn't that one. It was a brown cover, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit like you. I, I hate bad grammar. I hate apostrophe abuse and I hate passive sentences. But that's probably enough for an entire podcast on its own. So just before we sign off, Alan, just tell everybody how they can connect with you, either on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Plus and, of course, your website. Okay, on Twitter they can connect with me at Highclear underscore FS. They can contact CI Expert at literally that CI Expert. If anybody is interested in accessing CI Expert and wishes to partake of a one-day trial, then they can certainly log on to www.ciexpert.co.uk and it's self-evident from the screen what they have to do to get a one-day trial and check it out. Thank you, Alan, so much for talking to me today. I'd like to wish you even more success in the future for CI Expert. May the critical illness market become ever more complicated so that your business can thrive. And hopefully I'll get to catch up with you soon and perhaps we can talk about rock music when we get together in the pub. That sounds good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Protection and Finance Podcast, also known as the Empath Podcast. Do please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash empath for links to the apps and books and topics we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you would leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a comment. If you are a provider, advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model that you want to talk about, do please get in touch. I'd be delighted to have you as a guest on the Empath Podcast. And before we go, just to remind you that nothing that my guests and I talked about on the show is intended to be financial advice of any kind. It's just our thoughts and opinions. Okay? Okay.